This episode of Author Stories is brought to you by the Writing Mastery Academy. Founded by Jessica Brody, author of the best-selling plotting guide, Save the Cat Writes a Novel. The Writing Mastery Academy features online, on-demand writing courses, including the official Save the Cat Writes a Novel companion course, novel fast drafting, crafting dynamic characters, and productivity hacks for writers to name just a few, plus monthly live webinars on various writing topics. Go to jessicabrody.com slash hank to learn more and get your first month of unlimited access to all the content for just $6. That's right, just $6. jessicabrody.com slash hank. You're listening to the Author Stories Podcast. Bringing you the story behind the stories and the storytellers. Margaret Wyatt, Terry Brooks, Sheena Kamal, Matthew Quick, JT Ellison, Walt D. Williams, Brad Ford, Corey, Dr. O, Brandon Anderson, Robin Mom, Ernest Klein, Jim Butcher, Sherwin Harris. Visit HankGarner.com for archives of all the shows. Today's guest is. Thanks for joining me again for the Author Stories Podcast, where I bring you the story behind the stories and the storytellers. Today, I am enormously excited to have one of my all-time favorite storytellers back on the show with me today. J.T. Ellison has a new book. It's called Her Dark Lies. And what can you say? It's a new J.T. Ellison book, you know? And so we're, we're, we've been through a pandemic and now we have a new J.T. Ellison book uh, to to dig into. What? How could the world be any better right now than it is? Uh, welcome back to the show, J.T. Thank you. It is so good to be back. I've been looking forward to this for weeks. Absolutely. Uh, me too. I keep seeing it on the calendar and uh, and said, oh, that, I get to talk to J.T. again. I'm so excited. So, so JT, we, uh, you and I were were joking a bit before we started recording uh, about, you know, we've we've come through a pandemic now, um, and and you have a, a new book that that has been born out of a pandemic. Although her dark lies is absolutely not a pandemic thriller, uh, I, I don't want to give people that impression at all. Um, but, but what's it been like to to create during this weird year that we've had? You know, it's not a pandemic thriller, but it is a very claustrophobic book. Yes. And I, I think that is what the pandemic did to me. I, I, it was, it's a very insular book. It takes place on an island off the coast of Italy. It's very hard to reach. There's a huge storm that's come up. They're very isolated and I felt very isolated writing this book. We uh, we had gone, um, things were not going well with this book. I was having a lot of trouble with it. So we went and got a fresh perspective and, and house sat for a little while in a, a more remote area. And it really helped. <laughs> it really helped. I was alone. Um, you know, the pandemic for, for introverts hasn't been a terrible change, especially for writers. I mean, we're used to quiet time alone. We crave quiet time alone. That's how we can create the books that we do. Um, But yeah, it bled over into building this story because the story just kept getting darker and closer. 
and more menacing. And, and it really did mimic what was happening around us. I mean, we're isolated, we're stuck in the house, we can't leave, you know, everything is is being delivered or and and it just was really it really lent itself well to the setting. Yeah. <laughs> and the, well, and the know, tone. Well, I've said that, you know, for for months also that that most writers do spend most of their time alone uh, at home or in a home office or uh, you know, something akin to that. And so for our day-to-day in and out life, it's not a whole lot different. But when someone tells you you can't um go out and mingle and 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 have a social life, that that does something to your psyche. It's uh uh so I, I've been really interested to hear how this has affected people who who normally are are home working as it is, but but there is a, a, a subtle psychological thing that goes on knowing the rest of the world is being locked down as well. Oh, it, it is. There's, it's both claustrophobic and, and yeah. it was comforting to me. I had been watching this back in, in over Christmas. Um, it was, it was starting to unfold and there was a lot of unfettered access to what was happening in China online. A lot of those videos and a lot of those posts went away really, really quickly, which, yes. you know, the, the conspiracy theorist in me, which you know, the has to, yeah. oh, absolutely. But I, I did a book in the Samantha Owens series called What Lies Behind, and it was about a biological attack. So I did a lot of research on epidemiology and virology. And I have an epidemiologist that I did a lot of research with. And I sent him a note and said, hey, um, this looks really horrible. And my thriller author brain is in high gear. And he says, well, tell me what you think is going to happen. And so I listed out all of these things of they're going to shut everything down. There's not going to be travel. They're going to have to close the borders. There's going to be a high death count. There's, you know, all of this stuff. And he wrote, he was like, well, I now see why people buy your books. <laughs> You've got a really great imagination. I don't think it's going to be quite that bad. But I didn't buy it because I was seeing the videos that I was seeing and it was terrifying. So I started getting ready in early January and we started buying the things that we thought we might need. You know, I also did a book about survivalists. So I know how to do some prepping if I need to do some prepping. Um, and, and so we were kind of shouting it from the rooftops to anybody who would listen, Hey, Hey, something bad's coming down the pack pike. Even if something doesn't happen, be prepared, you know, all of that. And I mean, even my family, they're like, she's hysterical. Like she's talking about that again. (laughs) And then everything kind of hit and we're, we're right at the anniversary of the lockdown. We actually are the anniversary of the tornado that came through Nashville Yes. The week we locked down. So, you know, we kind of had a massive double win. I mean, this has been kind of a hard week for, for everybody here in Nashville. But by the time that happened, I was so ready and so relieved. I have never been so relieved in my life because it needed to happen. I knew it needed to happen. My virologist, epidemiologist uh, friend had had written me back and said, um, yeah, you're right on everything and this is going to be bad and Mm. and and, you know we went back and forth a few times he was he's actually he doesn't work on 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 COVID he works on Ebola 
Um, but we went back and forth a few times. I'm like, all right, well, here's what I think. And he was like, and I think you're right. And so we were able to, you know, be prepared. Um, we were more prepared than, than others. And so we shared as much as we could with people, you know, who, who couldn't get toilet paper. I mean, we had toilet paper, like, okay, you know, but it was, um, I was very calm once it started, once we were finally on lockdown. Um, I was wearing a mask well before I had to fly home the week before we locked down and I wore a mask on the plane and people were kind of looking at me like I was crazy. And I'm like, uh, -uh. you know, this is bad. This is bad. And of course that makes it into your work. It it has to, it spills into the work and the work becomes the, the byproduct of everything that you're living. I mean, we're living through a moment that is remarkable. It's extraordinary. A lot of what suspense novels are doing now is writing about ordinary people experiencing extraordinary things. We all finally got a taste of what it's like to live in a thriller novel, which is maybe not the best way to go about it. Um, but it's it's been it's really been actually good for my work to have this enforced isolation. Well, here's something that I've been I've been thinking about lately, and I've I've wanted to ask someone about this. Um, as as writers, I I I understand everything that you're talking about, um, but but fans of thrillers, readers of thrillers, we 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 talk a lot about um, why do we love this genre of books, and you know we you can hit on. Um, you know, it it maybe allows us to experience things that scare us uh, and lets us face uh, some of the, the darker side of human nature from the comfort of our reading chair. While we are safe, we get to, um, you know, kind of stick our toe into the water and see what this feeling is like and, and maybe prepare ourselves for how we might respond and react to different situations. Um, but, you know, when you're faced with a pandemic and you've kind of been reading books, uh, you know, most of your adult life or, or however long to sort of emotionally prepare, do, do you feel like that that thriller readers and fans of the genre um, are are more prepared or at least have um, psychologically built themselves up for a time like this? That is a fascinating question, and I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say yes. <laughs> yeah, I think so too. I think so. I think that there is absolutely an element of it. There's a universality to crime fiction in general. You know, whatever. What it's a huge umbrella, right? But there is a universality in it in that it is there, but for the grace of God, go I, right? Yeah, yeah. It's it's absolutely we we want to. It, it, it allows us to heighten all of our senses. It allows us to be afraid without being in danger. So it satisfies some of those primal biological needs, you know, that, that when we were hunter gatherers and, and we were the meal, <laughs> we could very easily, we, we, you know, it's eat or be eaten. And, and we were probably eaten as much as we ate. Um, you know, we had a, a biological flight or fight response to keeping ourselves alive we still have that but we're not living in danger you know we're not in peril constantly so if, i think that it's a natural reaction to maybe people who were more the hunters than the gatherers 
need to fulfill that basic biological thing that that's in us all. And we just enjoy doing it a little more. I mean, or we're adrenaline junkies. That it could be as simple as that. <laughs> could be. Could be. Um, well, you know, I I'm gonna say that I think thriller readers are are some of the most prepared people on the planet. I, I, we're just gonna we're just gonna plant our flag there and just and just go with that. I agree. I mean, we, we you know we 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 really do understand yeah. how things can go to hell in a handbasket really fast. <laughs> really fast. Really fast. Um, JT, you you wrote this uh, the Samantha Owen series, which I was a huge fan of. Love those books, and and that's that was my introduction to to your work was through Samantha Owens. Um, but one of the last times that we talked, we talked about this um, shift that you had experienced in going from Samantha to writing uh, more standalone thrillers, and and how that 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 subtle change in what you were writing had affected um, the way you write and and, and the way that you uh, experience stories and and maybe gave you a, a new outlook. Maybe that's uh, uh, putting too much on it, but um, it, it opened new avenues for you and, and your writing by by kind of having this mindset shift. Um, and, and Good Girls Lie was one of the last books we talked about, which I absolutely loved. And there, there is – a, a subtle difference in in that story and the tension around that story with uh, with her dark lies. Um, do, do you feel like that um, by writing a standalone where you don't have um, the the history with a character that you're bringing along and all of the connection that the reader has with that character that they bring along to the story as well? Um, do you think that 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 helps to keep the tension up? Um, do, do you, I guess what I'm asking is, do you think standalones hold the potential for anything can happen that, that a series character, just the, the attention that a series character can't bring because we, you know, at the end, in, in the back of our mind, we know that Samantha's going to, she's going to be here for the next book. And d- does that make sense at all? Absolutely. Absolutely. It's immortality versus mortality. Yeah. Right. You know, a series, the the character's immortal. They're a hero. Horrible things can happen to them. Sure. But heroes, and sometimes things worse than death, if you really want to sure. get down to it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Heroes are immortal. They can handle the load of the world on their shoulders. shoulders. That's what they're there for, right? They're meant to carry us along. They're meant to solve the problems for us. In a standalone, it's the exact opposite. It's all about mortality. Anything can happen to anybody. You don't know who's going to die. You don't know who's going to, uh, you know, be the villain. It's it, it's very um, it's it's the complete opposite side of the coin in my mind, because anything goes, anything can happen. They're harder to write because you do have to create the entire world. So it takes me a little bit longer to do it. I mean, it's not, you know, uh, series are are plug and play, right? You've already got the world. You've already got the setting. You've already got the characters. All you have to do is come up with a kick-ass plot and then delve into how the characters react to that story. On a standalone, I mean, literally whatever you want to do. It's, it's, there's no rules. There are no 
guides. It's just whatever you want to do, unless you're writing something tropey, which Her Dark Lies is a very, you know, it's a very um, Rebecca-ish kind of story. I was inspired very much by, by Rebecca and an idea that I had. I was, I was reading Rebecca for Good Girls Lie when I had this thought about it. And that's what this story is about, is that that thought that I had as I was as I was doing the research for another book. But it there are there are just no rules and your character is mortal. So, uh, yeah, I think there's a huge difference. between. Are you looking for software that helps you bring your novel to life? Novelize is a web based writing app which allows you to access your work on any device with a browser and an Internet connection. Right from your desktop, laptop, tablet, or smartphone. Just get the novel written. Say goodbye to sticky notes. With our notebook on the side, you can keep track of all the important information you need to write your novel. We keep distractions to a minimum, help you track your progress, and encourage you to write more novels. You can even use the same notebook for your novels in a series. Outline, write, or organize your novel by switching between modes. You can write your outline notes while you're writing, and you can move scenes and chapters around anytime in the organize mode. Choose between the dark and light theme to help prevent eye strain so that you can stay immersed in your book. Novelize, the app for writers by writers. Authors, I have a fantastic new service to tell you about. It's called PubSite. PubSite is a service to help you build your very own website your home on the web where you can promote your work and give your fans a place to connect with you. PubSite is a website platform that allows every author, regardless of budget, to have a great-looking professional website developed by the book marketing professionals at FSB Associates. PubSite is the new easy-to-use DIY website builder developed specifically for books and authors. Whether you're an author of one book or 20 or a small publisher, PubSite allows you to build, design, and most importantly, Update your website pain-free. No need to be dependent on a designer or webmaster to make a small but costly change to your website. Save the money and do it yourself. PubSite is the best platform for authors because it's a book-centric platform. PubSite was built just for authors and small publishers. Every design, feature, and layout is book-centric. They have customized designs for you to use. It's easy to build. No coding or HTML is necessary to create a stunning professional-looking website with all the features you want. Get a custom domain name, yourname.com. It's simple to update. You can add all of your books, add a blog and a book tour, sell from any retailer, manage your email list and social media, and even do e-commerce. Build your website with a 14-day free trial, then pay just $19.99 per month, which includes hosting, and we offer packages starting at $499 to set up the website for you. Pub-Site.com, the place to help authors find their home on the web. There's a there's a discussion among writers uh, all the time about character versus plot, and is is this book plot-driven or is it character-driven? And and I, I understand 
some of those discussions. Uh, sometimes, though, you get a book that's that's neither and both uh, at the same time. Um, we're in, and, and characters are just as important as plot, and plot is just as important as characters. Do, do you feel like that the series at, versus the standalones lend themselves more to the character versus plot discussion? I think every book hangs on the character. I really I do. I really do. I mean, you can have the best plot in the world and the, the character falls flat. It won't work. Yeah. You, you know? have to care about the characters. To, you to have care to, the, about the character plot. comes first. Character comes first. Um, it's, it's really interesting. Another big difference. I feel like in the, in the thriller series versus the standalones is the point of view. I mean, we're going from third in the series for the most part to there's a lot of first person in the standalones and that's even harder in my mind to pull off because if you don't connect with that first person right away, if you're not like, Oh, that's a cool chick. I want to go sit down and have lunch or a glass of wine and chat. You know, if it's like, Oh my God, she reminds me of that girl. (laughs) (laughs) I couldn't stand, you know, I've had, I've had that experience a lot lately that it's like, Oh, and it's not that it's an unlikable versus likable. It has nothing to do with that. It's just connecting with that person in that point of view. And I just naturally gravitate more to the third person because I like, I guess the top view, the the bigger picture. um, So we can see everything around them instead of just experiencing the story through a single lens. And I've done, I've done them all. And I have multiple uh, in this book. I mean, obviously <laughs> I'm, yeah. I'm experiencing that uh, for myself and it's, it's just, that's a really interesting part of this because, you know, character is huge, but point of view really seems to matter lately to me in a way that it didn't before. Maybe it's because I'm writing outside of just close third. I don't know. I'm probably overthinking this and over answering it. <laughs> well, but that's, what, that's what we do here. We overthink and over answer things. That's, mm-hmm. Yeah. That, yeah. I'm so good at that. Her, her dark lies um, is, uh, is a really unique story idea. The, um, the, the setting and the, the initial setup uh, is uh, Agatha Christie ish uh, in a way. Um while being very modern and very uh, of the moment. Um, so we've got this this destination wedding sort of uh, sort of thing. What, what was the initial idea for this story? I, I know you said that you started thinking about some of the ideas for it when you were writing um, Good Girls, but uh, what was what got this story idea rolling? Right. So, yeah, the theme of the story is something that I I was thinking about long before I hit on, oh, this is what I want a destination wedding on an island with a cliff and everything. I was in Italy for a big birthday with my family. And I'm Italian. My family is from, you know, from there. and I've got family there. And so we go every couple of years to visit the family and get everybody together. And we were we were having not the best trip we've ever had. It rained every day. Uh-huh. And yeah, it was one, yeah, one of those weird, it usually never happens, right? I usually have really great travel karma when it comes to the weather. But <laughs> not this time. It all caught up to me. So it was raining. 
and we all caught a cold. And so we were kind of miserable and we're driving around in the rain in this van that we nicknamed Van Gogh. And, you know, we were having, we were having a good time, but it was just, it was a challenging trip. Um, But we finally landed on the shores of Lake Como and the morning of my birthday, we woke up and the sun was shining and it was a beautiful day. And so we cruised around on the lake all day and visited some of the towns. And that evening we were sitting down to dinner and a yacht pulled up to the island across from us, which is Comachina. And a wedding party got off. I'm like, okay, that's cool. <laughs> you know, I want to. <laughs> I would like to float up to my island on my yacht in my wedding dress. That would be awesome. And later in the evening, after the sun went down, the fireworks started. And I, you know, at first I thought it was rather impressive that my husband had managed to have fireworks for my birthday. <laughs> right. It was for the wedding, um, which we all quickly found out and had a good laugh over. But I knew immediately, I'm like, I got to write this. I got to write this story. This is great. Because I started doing a little research on the island. And it has this weird history. You have to drink a certain kind of coffee before you leave or the demons of the island will follow you home. (laughs) And I'm like, okay, A, so Italian, right? Right. But... But it just was like everything was there. It, it was just handed to me. And sometimes that happens with a story. It's handed to you and you're like, I got to write this. And of course it's tropey. I mean, you know, anytime you've got a, an, a private island and a wedding dress and all of those elements from these books, that's going to find its way in. But what I wanted to do, and I, I discussed this on a panel um, at Thriller Fest, I feel like a lot of the books now are just wham, bam, thank you, ma'am, right? It's all predicated on this massive reversal twist that you don't see coming. And it's like, oh, my God. And then everybody fights about the ending, which is great, right? I love those books. I love to be shocked and surprised. But I felt like the readers were starting to expect that. And the pace that was going on in those books was a little frenetic. And I wanted to try to write a story that was a little more languorous, that took a little bit more time so you could get to know the characters better. So when the motivations come clear, this is a why done it and a who done it all at once. Right. Which, you know, I it, it's kind of a combination platter. I'm not necessarily trying to hide what's happening from the reader. It's that the characters don't know what's going on. Um, and you know, they're in a bad way and they make some really stupid decisions, which (laughs) helps propel the plot forward, but it's, it's just a different kind of of mentality going into these stories when you're not trying to trick the reader. So I I was very purposeful in why I was doing it. So you, you brought up a really interesting point um that that readers start to expect certain things um you know gone girl can only be written so many times uh you know from from different vantage points um what do you see as uh as, as how the the genre is is having to um uh to progress and to um to grow uh to meet reader expectations and to you know, keep readers coming back for what they love about the genre. Mm-hmm. 
Um, you know, it's interesting. There are so many brilliant books and brilliant authors out there right now who are responding, I think, to that phenomenon. I think everybody's shifting away from it. The There is an element of the Gothic that is really gearing up right now, and it's setting-based. Um, Sarah Pierce, The Sanatorium, really good example. I've been talking to Barbara Peters at, at Poison Pen about this. She had uh, uh, Jane Ann Krentz and Sarah on to talk about Sarah's book, and they were talking about the modern Gothic and how the settings, the new settings, are really, really ramping things up. Um, I think we want to. Sarah was just on the show uh, last week. Uh, I mean, yeah, what an amazing book. Yeah, I'm almost done with it. And, and it's, it is, it's really fun. It's really fun. It's really creepy. She's done a really nice job with the closed circle mystery. Yeah. You know, something is happening. Everybody's isolated. So there's a bunch of books right now, (laughs) mine included, that have this. And I think a lot of them are a reaction to the pandemic of we want to be somewhere else anywhere else so you take good crime fiction and you set it somewhere else huge resurgence or or a surgence i don't know what the word is i don't know what that word is um of of crime fiction from the netherlands and and areas that we're not familiar with right so i think there's an element of the readers really want something fresh and new and different. And there's only so much you can have in your backyard that they have not seen before. So a new setting really elevates everything immediately. It takes you somewhere else and it's easier to imagine. Now here, here's the interesting thing. This is the first book I ever wrote that I created a setting. I've never done it before. I've always had a setting that was based in reality. I've never made up a place. Wow. So, so this, this is a fictional setting. I, the way, the way you described it, I just assumed this was a real place I could go to. Nope. No, no. (laughs) And that's the hardest part about it. And it might be why it's a little heavy on description of the setting Yeah. because I was setting the setting for myself. Right. As I was writing, I had to set the, set the tone and set the like, okay, where, what are my set pieces here? I know I've got this. I know I've got the villa. I know I've got the cottages of the artist colony. I know I've got this huge cliffside. How do I marry them and put the grounds together? I mean, I did a lot of storyboarding this and finding images of places that I could draw upon and wow it's really hard to create your own place i i give people props that are creating towns and villages that, that don't exist i mean oh my goodness that's hard it's hard yeah hard it, it really makes you appreciate the fantasy authors who just create whole worlds and and, well, and you wonder why those books are 1200 pages right but that's <laughs> i think that's almost easier because it doesn't have to be grounded in any reality that you right. know it has to have its own moral structure and a value system, and you need to know what that is. But you can, you know, the mountains can be upside down. <laughs> it's, yeah. you, you don't have to obey physics. You don't have to obey any, any reality in a fantasy novel, which is, I love fantasy, obviously. I read a lot of fantasy um, because of that, because I love to see these worlds being built in front of my eyes. It's just the coolest thing ever. Um, 
I read a, a review, I think it was over on NetGalley, uh, as I was just just reading uh, what other people were thinking about Her Dark Lies. And, and one person said, this was the kind of book that you need to read and then read again, uh, because there, there are little things that you'll overlook. And then when when you know how it ends, you go back and, and things pop out at you. Was that something that you did on purpose or, or was this just kind of your subconscious <laughs> dropping clues? Um, okay. So this is where I admit I had a really hard time writing this book. <laughs> I had had two knee surgeries in uh, 2019 leading into 2020 back to back. The first one didn't work and they had to do it again. So I had surgery brain. There are seven versions of this book, not drafts, versions, <laughs> because I couldn't get it to work. It just was, it just was not participating. And, and they do that sometimes, right? I was trying to do something that I shouldn't have been doing. And so once I finally sucked it up and cut the, the darling that I was trying so desperately to hold on to, everything came to bed together. When I rebuilt this for the final time, my, my friend, this is a Frankenstein's monster kind of book. Um, I had to take pieces from every single one of those versions and rebuild the story. It was, it was a challenge. It ended up being a fun intellectual puzzle for me. I definitely have some subconscious things in there. I, I've, I've glanced at pages, you know, I was like looking something up for for an excerpt or something. And it's like, ha, I remember when I put that in there, that was in the third version of this book. You know, it just, <laughs> it, it really is kind of a Frankenstein's monster of the creative process, which um, I don't recommend at all. <laughs> it's not the most fun way to write a book, but you know, sometimes they're, sometimes books are like that. Um, but when I did finally get it and figure out what I was doing, yes, I left, I left some, there's some Easter eggs in there. There are some red herrings that are very purposeful. And then there's the organic stuff that just happened as I was doing the revision. And I mean, I probably wrote another 40,000 words in the last month of that book, pulling it all together, pulling all of the threads where they needed to be. And moving the pieces around, you know, moving the set pieces into the proper places and stuff. And then, you know, it's got a body count. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it does. Yes, it does. It's got a body count. I mean, I, I had a contest. Um, you know, Lisa Gardner always does a maim a buddy, kill a friend contest. Right. So I told she had sent out that email and I'm like, ah, I'm stealing this idea. And I went on Instagram and I said, who wants to die in my next novel? <laughs> We got a lot of entries and a, a couple of, so a, a couple of them, I was like, okay, you, you have to win this contest. One of them volunteered as tribute and the other came and said, I am prepared to die. And I'm like, oh my God. All right. A Harry Potter reference and a Hunger Games reference. You are in, you are in, you are so dead. I'm going to kill you and you're going to love it. Um, and then we had we had a few more. So th there's a body count in this book that um, my my publicist read, it and he was like, "Wow, there's a lot of bodies." <laughs> <I'm> like, well, <laughs> it is, you know, it is 
true to that vein of of the genre, right? That, right. You know, that's the kind of Agatha Christie part of it is, you know, people people have a tendency to drop off in her books, you know? Right. And I didn't set out to do that at all. It just happened. That happened very organically to the story. I was like, you know, when in doubt, bring in a man with a gun. <laughs> Like, well, I know I got to kill this person at some point. Might as well do it now. <laughs> See you, bye. <laughs> Not necessarily the healthiest way to write a book. But you know, but but it might be the funnest way to write a book. <laughs> Who knows? It was horribly fun. Horribly fun. And and really, really difficult. I mean, it, you know, I got very attached to several of the characters and didn't want to kill them you know you don't want to kill the people that you've just spent the past 14 months with but you know sometimes it's it's right for the story and and that's what i had to do and i had to live up to the promise of murdering these people in my book so (laughs) well it you know as the pandemic is wrapping up and there there is light at the end of the tunnel as as we can can tell um you know, some people may be missing the darkness uh, of, of, you know, being locked down for a year. And if you are, um, slip into the darkness with J.T. Ellison. Uh, the new book, Her Dark Lies, is out everywhere now. When you're hearing this, we're going to put links to it in the show notes of this episode. Uh, J.T., if, if folks are just discovering you for, for you because they've been under a rock or whatever, um, where can they find you and connect with you online? I'm so excited to lift some rocks. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Welcome to the show. Um, they can find me on Instagram right now is my really big fun love. I'm thriller chick. It's where uh, all the good vibes are. It's it's really kind of a happy, fun place. Yeah. I like pretty things. And so I follow a lot of people with pretty things. And I try to give pretty things back to the world. I have a uh, Facebook group called The Literati. And I'm on Twitter as Thriller Chick too. But my newsletter is is a monthly newsletter. There's a good contest in it. You know, you win things, and highly recommend signing up for that. Um, it's always fun when it pops in the inbox. Oh, thank you. It's it's so much fun to do. I I really do enjoy. You know, it's not just hey, this is what I did this month. It's you know, it's a bunch of other fun things. So. All of that can be found um, on my website at jtellison.com. Every every link is there. We will link up all those places in the show notes uh, as well to make it easier for folks. Uh, JT, I love the book. I love everything that you do. Thank you for taking time to come back on the show. Anytime. You know I love chatting with you. Authors, if you're looking for a partner to help ensure that your book is the best it can possibly be, look no farther than Pico's House. Crystal and her staff make a conscious effort to be critical, yet courteous. They also strive to make the business side of things run smoothly so that you can rest easy knowing that your manuscript is in capable hands. Whether you need beta reading, developmental editing, a manuscript critique, line editing, copy editing, or proofreading, Pico's House is the one-stop shop for you. Check them out today at picoshouse.com to get started. Dream Author by Sophie Hanna is an immersive 14-month coaching program for writers at any and every level of experience, and also for those of you who want to write and are just waiting for the right encouragement and guidance to get you started. Your writing dreams should make you happy. 
For so many of us, our dreams are not a source of happiness. Instead, they cause us stress, guilt, frustration, and even shame. Here's the great news. All of these feelings are natural and all writers experience them. The problem, though, is that when your writing dreams bring you more anxiety than joy, it affects your resolve and your productivity, and you end up not taking the action you need to take in order to propel your dreams in the right direction so that they can stand a strong chance of coming true. That's why Sophie created the Dream Author Coaching Program to teach anyone who is passionate about writing how to change the way they build, think about, and pursue their writing dreams in order to become their own most powerful ally and advocate for the rest of their writing life. And more great news. Once you've learned that skill, it lasts forever. Visit dreamauthorcoaching.com to get started today. The Bad Company Complete Series Omnibus, books one through seven. Humanity's greatest export, justice. Space is a dangerous place, even for the wary, especially for the unprepared. The aliens have no idea. Here comes The Bad Company. The Bad Company, book one, Colonel Terry Henry Walton takes his warriors into battle for a price in this first installment of The Bad Company. He believes in the moral high ground and is happy to get paid for his role in securing it. Set in the Cutharian Gambit universe, Terry, Char, and their people-humans, werewolves, were-tigers, and vampires form the core of the Bad Company's direct action branch, a private conflict solution enterprise. Join them as they fight their way across Tissakinan 4, where none of the warring parties were what they expected. The seven-book series Omnibus includes The Bad Company, Blockade, Price of Freedom, Liberation, Destroyer, Discovery, Overwhelming Force. Grab the complete Bad Company series by Craig Martell now. How to Be a Badass Witch by Michael Anderley. Virtutus Gloria Mercies. Translation, Glory is the Reward of Valor. Fed up with playing the normal game, recent university graduate, ex-cum laude, ex-soccer star, ex-popular and mostly broke Cara Madonna changes her life when she decides to research how to be a witch and believes it. Cara didn't want to go back east and deal with her overbearing mom, so when university was done, she stayed behind in Los Angeles. Little did she realize how controlling moms can be from the other side of the country. Feeling a little desperate to make her own way, she buys a few books on business and one on a lark, How to Be a Badass Witch. That's when the trouble started. Find out just what trouble a young woman can get into when the magic just might be real. How to Be a Badass Witch by Michael Andrews.